My Love of Life Energy is a podcast created by Anna Scott. Anna knows that every human being sees life uniquely. In this podcast, she will talk to people and learn from them. These conversations are to shine the brilliance of each human being she speaks to. Join her. After each exploration, you will expand on your insights and see truth and beauty. Good morning and good afternoon and welcome to my podcast called My Love of Life Energy. And today I have the great honor of interviewing and have a conversation with Wynne Morgan. And Wynne is, I know Wynne from two different areas. And um, I knew him through Supercoach Academy. He was on staff and he was one of my coaches. And then I know him through writing. And the story I love to tell, well, so one win, welcome. So good to have you here. <laughs> Lovely to be here too. It's an honor. Good to see you, Anna. Thank you. So I don't know if you remember this story. Um, we were in a small group and we were studying the three principles, or I don't know if you study it, exploring it. And you talked about consciousness is like a camera aperture. And it can either go really small or really loud, not loud, but wide. And that stuck with me. I don't know. That was seven years ago. And I still think about that every, every so often I go, oh yeah, that's what consciousness is. Do you remember hmm. that? Oh, well, I remember that would be the kind of thing I would have said. Yeah, absolutely. And that was borrowed from somebody. So it was Mara then Gleason who first described consciousness as that to me in person way back in 2012. Mara Olson now. And I've also heard George Pransky talk about it in those terms from a, well, more up to date than that, but also from a recording that predates that. So I, I'm pretty sure that that metaphor has been around a long time but at that point that's how it made sense to me and I'm glad that it continues to make sense to you and anyone else that you might share it in that way with because it's a really helpful metaphor in my mind how did you come into the three principles how did you come across this understanding by accident um I followed Michael Neal from um, back in 2005, 2006, when he was doing NLP training. And he was one of the three people who was doing that training here in the UK, in London. And he was the only one I'd not heard of out of the three. The other two are really well known here in the UK. And over the week, he was the one that I warmed to the most. I got a, a good feeling about. And I followed his career and then he started talking about some different things and I bought a CD set of his way back in, I think, 2008 during a, one of my bouts of depression. And I listened to it um, in and out of London on the train, which was an hour each way. So two hours a day for, for, you know, for five days. So I went through the entire program of effortless success. I think that's what it was called. And I felt better. I was coming out of my depression and nothing other than that made any sense as to why. So I wrote to him to thank him. And then I was going to California in the end of 2010 on holiday, um, my 40th birthday gift to myself. And half a day, um, I invested half a day of my time and, and money into having a one-to-one -one session with him in LA. And he was talking about something very different that I now know is called the three principles. 
So this was in December 2010. Um, and I didn't like what he was saying because I went there to get fixed. I went there to get NLP'd. I went there that I would never be depressed again. I wouldn't be insecure again. I wouldn't be afraid of being embarrassed. All of those kind of things I went for. And I came away feeling terrible and curious. Because when the moment I left his house, I said, hey, if you do that super coach thing again in 13 months in January 2012, I'll come. And I did, because something in my mind, in spite of how busy I was and how much I didn't really enjoy that conversation, something shook up and my business, my coaching and um, training consultancy business in 2011, had a massive step change. I was looser in my mind. And the only thing I could put it down to again was that half a day with him. So I was all in in 2012 and that was the real start of it. Hmm. What do you... Um... You just said something when, and I can feel it because I can feel your spaciousness. And uh, yeah, it's a spaciousness of word, but I can feel the spaciousness. And you said something's loosened in your mind. Can you talk about that? What that is for you? Well, I can tell you what it is right now. I used to put an awful lot of weight on to and respect to being right and knowing things now i don't i'm i'm at least tickled amused when i'm wrong <laughs> and often i am thrilled to be wrong given what my my brain sometimes comes up with about the world and myself and my place in it so i'm delighted to be wrong or at least amused by the nonsense it comes up with. And the second thing is, I, I, I've kind of got a huge respect for that spaciousness of, and the respect for not knowing, because there's always something fresh, deeper, more meaningful that's available that I didn't have any inkling of for most of my adult life. Wow. I, I, I love what you just said. I have respect for the not knowing, for the, the not knowing, like to have mm. a respect for it. What does that mean to you? Well, let's see. The best knowing I will have will be the best answer I had to a previous thing. So at best, it's going to be old, not fresh. But I didn't know that. I thought there was a huge, I had respect for best practice and doing what worked yesterday again and again and again. Until I realized that that's an ever-decreasing circle. And the best of me is fresh, new, innovative, And the wonder of what can be, what can come through when I'm not wedded to what I think is right or what was my previous best idea. Hmm. I'm wondering what it's like to be, I mean, it just seems so alive. Yeah. And I'm wondering, like, how do you live in this world that has such structure 
and such best practices? And how do you live in that world with this way of, of I can see that you know the truth of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I don't think the world is that way. I don't see it that way. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Say more. Well, if I, if I was seeing the world one way, all that is is my seeing it doesn't make it true. Oh, Godwin, I feel like my mind just got blown up. There's no fixed point, then. No. No. Absolutely no fixed point. I'm only have, ever experiencing everything from my own um, aperture is one way of saying it, right? Going back to your initial point today. Yeah, which is a constantly, constantly in flux. That the moving aperture plus what it's looking at is changing, plus what I'm making of it is changing. So there's absolutely no fixed point in my experience of anything in life. What I just saw that I've never seen before, Wynn, is I really get the idea of freshness, but then there's no comparison and contrast to life. If there's no fixed point, then there's nothing to compare against. Well, that's a heck of a point. And I hadn't synthesized those two points before, but that's true. Yeah, because a comparison would be one myth compared to another myth that I've made up without knowing it. I, it, it, and not realizing how many myths or how many fixed points. Like the freshness. Yeah. Wow. Because then there's nothing solid to compare it to. Why do I feel like I'm in a Dolly conversation or a Dolly painting right now? <laughs> which might bring us back to writing class right because i remember that's one thing that we did that is and that's one of the things i remember is your writing is so are you still writing we, we both were writing through Jules Wells method writing program okay. and are you still in the writing with her i have taken this is the first um class group of classes off in three years i did nine in on a bounce on the bounce so the you know the classic kind of um autumn stroke fall spring uh winter and spring i did that for three years and then i thought right well i've been learning to write isn't it time i actually did it and stopped learning or just gave a break to it i'll, I'll i might go back to it because i haven't actually done what i said i would do i haven't written in this break from writing class so i guess we'll see i don't know what i'll do next with it but you're writing you have pieces that i still remember viscerally from you reading them 
but the Shampur and the, I mean, there's so many different ones. And I'm wondering how the three principles and this understanding, this freshness came into your writing. Well, you know, give credit why you and I have stayed in, in class so long with Jules Swales is because she really pushes us out of um, out of being safe to actually really put ourselves on the page. It was my experience of it in the in the introductory in the um, in the first level class, and I was saying things there that I thought I'd never confess to anyone, and here I was writing it and reading it out and then putting it online. I never thought I would do that, and what what amazed me was how much more it made me accessible it made me more likable it made me appear warmer because of how much of myself i was able to be open really open warts and all authentic and say here i am no apologies which is something that i loved in your writing too and listening to yours i mean there were times i just I think I had to switch the camera off because I didn't want people to see how kind of like impacted I was. Mm -hmm. I'm curious, did you find, it felt like your freshness was so alive on the page? Yeah, it was. But here's the thing as well though. For the first number of minutes as I could put pen to paper, it wasn't, and then the freshness would come. And to me, that's not just about writing, That that's kind of everything. So I can go into a restaurant thinking, oh, okay, I know what this restaurant, I've been here 10 times. And all of a sudden, nowness reveals itself, and I'm no longer in my previous um, comparisons of what, as you just said, of making up fixed points of now versus fixed points of um, of the past and all of a sudden i'm back in now i'm back present to what is which is constantly alive you ever find i, I i've seen recently that i really don't know what's going to happen in a day like i think like i can have thinking but if i really look at my day Everything's truly a surprise. Yeah. You're shaking your head like, yeah, like that's the truth. Absolutely. So my, my notepad's in front of me, okay, which has my one, two, three, four, five, six, eight, eight things I had, eight meetings today that I knew I would have a little bit of time in between various ones, some of them for a couple of hours and some for 15 minutes. And while I had an idea because I had their names written down here again. So I don't have to keep looking back at my my schedule and my, my calendar. But I don't know if they were going to turn up at 9, 9.02, 8.59 at yeah. all. What version of themselves would show up, what the first word would be, what the topic would be. I never have an idea, including this conversation right now. Never know what I'm going to say next exactly to your point. And I love that. What do you love because about that? Because, well, here's something that I'm also kind of like curious about is that that would have really freaked me out not long ago. 12 years ago, that would have felt like a terrible idea. I wanted certainty. I thought certainty was a good thing. 
now I've realized there's no such thing. Mm. It's like the issues, I don't know how today's going to go because anything could happen and it really can. And, well, well give me a second while I just ponder that. What would be the point of knowing? Is, th there's an old Greek, um, one of the stories of Greek mythology was of someone who had the curse of knowing their future. And I can't remember, Pandora, Persephone. It, it's, it's something anyway that's the curse was that they would know what would happen. And then me, as one of the many, many people who thought that there's a part of that that's a really good idea, certainty is a good thing, when there is no such thing. And the fact is, what I really, what helped me fall in love with not knowing and that uncertainty of every day is knowing that whatever happens, I can face it. You know, you said something just now, and I don't know what it is about you that I'm hearing it like as a truth and you just said there's no such thing as certainty mm. and can you elaborate on that because i mean my, again i'm like oh, that's the truth yeah yeah let's see if i can elaborate on it because it's sometimes these as they're so, they're so, I think, deeply philosophical, spiritual, energetic, to get again to the, to what you've titled this podcast, it's difficult to put sometimes to put words to form words to form less. Yeah. But what I think I mean is that in this world of form, you, me and everything in it, and everything in the universe and however many universes there are, whether it's one or multi, there's nothing in form that is permanent and nothing in form that is predictable i mean entropy apparently is a thing right the law of of physics where uh, it, everything becomes more disorganized uh, you know i don't really know if that's true i mean i i, I had to give up physics at one point because it was i couldn't get my head around it an advanced level in school and I'm way beyond what I really understand right now in saying this. But what I do know is, well, so a few weeks ago, surprisingly, I woke up feeling terrible. And I was away um, celebrating my mother's birthday. Me and my brother treated my mother to a, um, a little cottage down by the sea where, where I grew up and where they both still live and all my family still live in South Wales. So it was me, my mother, mum's dog, and my brother for three nights in this little cottage. And I woke up on the third morning on the Saturday feeling terrible. And my brother said, you better take a COVID test. I mean, you were teasing me about I felt dreadful yesterday and you had told me to get a COVID test and to test. You should get a COVID test. Okay, got a COVID test and there was a very thin line on it. So wasn't expecting to feel bad. Certainly didn't think it would be COVID. So I knew then, right, well, I've just got to leave, right? I've got to pack my stuff, not, and, and self-isolate, come back home, which is, you know, 200 miles drive. And as I was packing up to leave and bringing my bag downstairs from the upstairs, I slipped and I fell on the stairs 
and my arm went into the side wall and my foot went into the bottom wall. Now, I'm at the, I'm, I'm curled like a pretzel at the bottom of the stairs here. The dog's going, are you playing or what, what's happened? Mother's going, what's <laughs> happened? They're helping me up. And I'm saying, look, just give me a sec. I don't know what's happened. I need to figure out what I've hurt more. And all I can do is laugh. Wow. I mean, just like shooting pain from my arm. I've got big old grays here on my elbow. My foot feels like it's gone through the wall. It hadn't, but it felt like it could have, considering how much pain I was in. And um, I was laughing and I got up saying, oh, okay, I can drive because it's my left foot and it's an automatic car. I don't need my right foot. I need to get out. Um, okay, I'll take some, you know, some painkillers and I'll, and I'll go. And I thought, well, if I've broken something, I'll get it seen to tomorrow. And I know I'm going to get over COVID because I got over it a year ago. I'll heal. I'll bounce. Whatever's happened to my foot, that's going to heal. I'll bounce. They told me it wasn't broken the next day. And then three weeks later, they wrote to me to say, we've had a proper look. Yeah, it is. Right. Oh, all wow. of these sort of surprises, all of these surprises, right? Going to see a foot specialist yesterday, not having any idea what he would say. And being able to kind of not know anything and know that I will constantly bounce because that's how I'm made, because in this human form, that's how we're made. For as long as we are, are alive, we bounce. Feelings, emotions, a, a broken toe, a badly bruised metatarsal, the big old graze on my elbow, COVID, right? All of that stuff without me having to do a darn thing about it. So I can just ride. It seems to me underneath that, that you have a deep sense of peace. Is that true? Yeah, that's true. It, and sometimes it's peace and then sometimes it's, it's a bigger thing than peace. It's a wow that I didn't think was possible. Because to me, here I am in this collect collection of subatomic particles in a certain form that's conscious for a certain small period of time in the big picture of things. And here I am, get to experience the world of form. I mean, that's that's a wow. I get to ride a wave, a wave of whatever this life is. And I know there'll be tough times ahead. It'll, I'll have a load more heartbreak, I'm pretty sure. There'll be pain to come, physical and emotional. And I'll bounce. And I'll deal with it the best I can. It seemed like impossible to me not long ago that I could say that and know the truth of it. Yeah, it feels like, and, you know, it's like, you know, when people say words and you're going, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then people say words and I'm like, oh my God, he knows. He, this is his truth. Yeah. I love that word bounce. I love that word bounce. Say more about that, what that means to you. Well, I think it's an echo back to a story that our dear friend Michael Neal said. I think that's where it might have come back from. I remember him saying a story in a webinar about um, fragility and resilience. And the fact that he said the metaphor he was explaining in this talk was that we think we are 
um, a fragile glass um, decoration on a Christmas tree that if it falls, it smashes and breaks. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes we think we'll, we're an apple and when it falls, it bruises. And then it bruises forever. We're actually more like a rubber ball that is wholly resilient and mm -hmm. continues to bounce. Oh my God. What I love about that analogy is how fun it is. It's like a little kid, like you laughing, I can't like you laughing as you're going down the stairs. It's like the the joy of life that I get to bounce around life. Yeah. Oh my God. It actually, when you just said the particle, like we're a subatomic particle and that's what they do is they kind of bounce and vibrate yeah. around. That's all we are, right? In in the physical form of us is just that. It's just a vibration that we don't even know what that is because every time we think as humans, we've got to the, the bottom of the thing that can no longer be split into its component parts, which is the word atom. We found that there was things within the atom, then things within the nucleus, then things within this. And now there's these muons and whatever else that there are there. Um, and and it still just looks like the only thing that really exists is is a vibration. And what I can feel right now in this conversation is that vibration is love. Mm. Yeah, I think that. I suspect that. I really suspect that. As you were saying it, and I was dropping into the feeling and the feeling of this conversation. I'm like, holy moly, this is love. Love is vibrating all the time. Well, that struck me, Anna, deeper. So when I said I suspect that, I'm now seeing that maybe my suspicion's out of date. Maybe I'm seeing the truth of it now, not my suspicion. Oh my gosh. I, I'm, a, I'm starting to get teary. Um, it's like, what if we've misunderstood this vibration and we've misla I've mislabeled it? And what I'm really feeling is love, but I thought it was anxiety. I thought it was, you know, fear, something like that, but it was just life vibrating. Mm. Bouncing around in me. You know, it reminds me of the miracle of realizing that here we all are you me and and you listening to this wherever you are listening to this just a bunch of those subatomic particles that are vibrating then with the ability to have an emotion mm. and those emotions to change it just reminded me of how miraculous that is and that and to me that's that's something else that feels really wow-worthy to me. 
I, I just am um, so humbled right now. And in, in the wow. Like sometimes we, I don't understand the power of words and then I hear them and I really see it and I'm like, oh, that word is actually so appropriate. Like it's so spot on that I never saw it before. That word in that moment, yes. And then I'll try to capture it, but it was the word in the moment because it was fresh and blah, blah, blah. Right. Now I want to, I like to fix things. <laughs> I like to you do the comparison, the comparison and contrast. When I, we're we're coming to our end, and I know you sure. you coach people, you're helping coaches and developing their coaching, and I want people to experience your gift because it's magnificent, just magnificent. It's even better than I thought it was. It was better than I remembered it. My point of reference. <laughs> well, coming from you, Anna, that means a lot to me. So thank you. Now, how do they find you? This will be all listed on the podcast, but where do you want people to look for you and find you? Well, I'm I'm quite easy to find with the name Win Morgan. There's only two Win Morgans that have got any kind of social media presence, internet presence. One of them um, runs um, the economics department at Nottingham University in the UK. And that's not me. <laughs> I'm the other one. <laughs> okay. I'm the other okay. one. So Win Morgan Coach, anything on your favorite um, search engine, and uh, I'm easy to find, and I'm, and I'm sure that uh, my details uh, will be wherever you found this podcast too. So, mm. And I just I highly everybody yeah. reach out to have a fresh, original conversation. It's guaranteed. Thank you, well, Win. I feel so blessed I've had this conversation with you, and it's been a delight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.